unencumbered by political correctness, undeterred in her mission to spread the truth, unafraid to be a true conservative. She's unapologetic, uncompromising, unwavering, and an undeniably powerful voice when we need it most. This is my fight song. This is Rose Unplugged. My power's Sean Spicer is joining me today. Wait until you hear this interview, getting a look at behind the scenes during his time as the press secretary to the Trump administration and his newest book. But before we get there, I just want to remind you, Hemp Lily, H-E-M-P-L-I-L-Y.com, Hemp Lily. All right. I use Hemp Lily products all the time. First of all, ladies, if you've got hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings. Their products focus on those areas and many more. And they just love building relationships with you. What they have, I've been using their salve. Um, I hurt my back. And so I've been putting that on. And I want to tell you, there's so much relief from their salve. And I use the gummies every night just to kind of take the edge off and get to sleep faster and easier. Hemplily.com. Use promo code ROSE for some great savings right now. These make wonderful Christmas gifts. Wonderful. HempLily.com. Also great Christmas gifts. You know, it's MyPillow. Mike Lindell's MyPillow.com. Promo code ROSE for up to 66% off. Can I tell you that they have the best dog beds? Tucker loves his dog bed from MyPillow. I love their pillows. I love their sheets. But the gift I'm giving to everyone this year, those slippers. Oh my gosh. Go to MyPillow.com, put in promo code ROSE, up to 66% off. So HempLily.com, MyPillow.com. Joining me today is the host of Spicer & Company, seen on Newsmax, and former White House press secretary, none other than Sean Spicer. Sean, how are you? I'm well, Rose. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you being on. I wanted to talk to you about so many things, but I want to start first with your book, because... This book, I mean, really, it tells it all, and it's a pretty scary story, but we got to know the story. It's Radical Nation, and you talk about in the book Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and they've got an agenda for this country, and it doesn't look good, and it's important that we understand what that agenda is. So let's just get started right away, if that's okay, on your book, and then we'll move on to some other subjects. Yep. Okay, so when we think about... Uh, let's start with Kamala Harris. I find it fascinating, Sean, that we never see Kamala Harris. And we know that she's had a lot of trouble with staff. We know that um, they've kept her in the background. And really, you know, it's interesting to me that um, there have been comments made in the past that America, you know, Americans, particularly Republicans, don't want to see a woman, particularly a woman of color. And yet... It seems to me that it is the Democrats that are hiding a woman, and in particular, a woman of color. Well, look, I, I, I think that that's kind of interesting and true because it's fascinating how it, it, I, I look. I, I live here in Virginia. We just elected Winsome Sears, our lieutenant governor, yes. a black female veteran, and yet no one seemed to care about that. Right? It's they they, they sort of love diversity when. It's a leftist when it's someone on the right. It's well, that's different. Right. But I think I think the thing to your point, and I have a chapter in the book about Kamala is 
we have to remember the context that she was chosen. So most vice presidents, and think about this in terms of modern history, right? Gore to Clinton, um, Cheney to Bush, Biden to Obama. The vice president sort of augments and supplements. They, 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 they have this experience and knowledge and connections and relationships that they can call upon to help make the president a uh, better and, and, and more successful. That wasn't the case with Harris. I mean, she was not chosen because of her experience. She'd only been in the Senate for 40 years right. or her or, or her qualifications or her relationships. She was chosen, as Joe Biden said himself, because he wanted the first woman of color. Uh-huh. So when you choose somebody and I go through in the book, talk about all these other people, people to judge and Des- when you choose people to check a box, not because they're the most qualified. What do you think you get? And, and so I, I think that. The problem that we have here is a vice president, and everyone's starting to figure out why she's her approval ratings at 28 and all of the infighting. It's it's not that difficult. I don't know why there's this much angst in the media and among folks about you know her role and all this. She wasn't qualified. That's not a knock. Her own party rejected her in in the in the primary in caucuses. She didn't get to Iowa, and we're wondering why. There's a problem. Well, the problem is that she wasn't the right person in the first place. So, of course, it's not going to work. And and it doesn't shock me that, that it's not happening. I think, frankly, what shocks me is the discussion in the media um, about why this is happening and how it's going to go. The, the, the deal is, is that Joe Biden wants a legacy more than anything. And I, I think that's key to understanding this administration. Joe Biden wants to have... And a, a legacy to say, I did this first. I outdid FDR. I appointed the first woman of color. I appointed the first ch- transgender person to a four-star level. I appointed the first LBGTQ person to a cabinet. It's all about first. It's not about accomplishment. Wow, that's amazing. And 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 yet, and yet there's a lot of speculation out there. Will she stay? Can they get rid of her? Uh, some think that they want to. And yet no one, no one points out the fact that they have literally uh, hidden her in the closet. They have. They've put her away. Yeah, but so, but, so much but again, for legacy. Remember, but, but exactly. But, but here's the thing. If you know someone's, like, what do you want? They've given her tasks, That's right? True. So right. they've been like, okay, you can do the border. You can do voting rights. Nothing's happened. They're not getting rid of her. There's no way in God's earth that Joe Biden is going to take the first woman of color that he appointed because he wanted to be able to say he appointed the first woman of color and then get rid of her. It's not going to happen. Right. Like now her, his staff, the Ron Claims, the Pete, Steve Rochettes, all of them would love that to happen. But at the end of the day, Joe Biden is focused on Joe Biden and Joe Biden's legacy. So I get that the staff may not like her. The staff may want her to go away. The staff may want to do all this. But Biden's never going to do it. But to your point, there's no job. They've handed her like five things to do. And at some point, like they're literally like her own staff is quitting. I was shocked when Simone Sanders quit the other day because uh, Simone Sanders had been with the Bidens for three years. She had left Bernie Sanders, gone over to Biden because she believed that he was the right guy and blah, blah, blah. And, and I actually saw her as a potential uh, replacement for Jen Psaki when she leaves early next year. Oh, interesting. And so for so for, for Simone Sanders, who had been with Biden, had been given this top spokesman slot with with uh, with with Harris, you know, basically as like the hey, can you help the team out for her to walk away? 
tells you a lot about what they, I mean, at some point it's just like, Hey guys, I took one for the team. I took another one for the team. Uh, you know, Simone out. Wow. And when you, you mentioned Saki, I, I've got to ask you, when you think about it, it's so very frustrating to watch those press conferences that we get no information really at all from Saki and, and yet she gets away with it. You would have never been able to get away with some of the responses that she gives to those reporters sitting in the press room. It's just astounding I to mean, me. As a former press secretary, what, what have you got to say about that when you watch those? Rose, like you said, I, I mean, I sit there and I'm staring going, oh, my God, if I had one day like this. I mean, there's I mean, it's literally like she's like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, the, the, the sky is red. And they're like, OK, yeah, thanks. Okay. Like, they just there's no pushback. There's no questioning. It's it's a very smug um, presentation of their talking points. And then the scribes in the press corps take it. It's I think it's actually pathetic and insulting to the profession of journalism. But yet no one seems to mind, do they? They don't because they, they – look, two things. One, they don't mind because they agree. They're liberals. They agree with what they're doing. And two, it, Jen worked with them. She was their colleague at CNN. Truth. This is their buddy, their friend. What are you going to do? You're not going to – you know, you, 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 she's going to go back to them. I mean, right, when she leaves in whatever it's going to be, January, February, March, because she's only going to stay for a year, where do you think she's going? Back to CNN. So they can't be. T- I mean, they. It's sort of like you know they're they're like, hey, we'll 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 keep your desk. Don't worry. You know that's interesting. You're right, though. I hadn't thought about it that way. When you consider though how they do give her a pass on how she responds to their questions, and then again, let's let's be honest, the questions are pretty easy too. They're softballs. But when you think about it, will the press, in your opinion, will they, the, particularly the mainstream media, will they ever? ever be critical of this administration ever will they ever point no, out any no, shortcoming I, no, no, never so, not so once the, will they? let's just no the, the only time that they were and the only time you'll ever see the press because it's a really interesting question you're asking is when it's in their interest and i'll tell you so for example everybody was i i think i was a little shocked at their coverage in afghanistan well why the reason why is because when it was botched there were journalists still in country, uh, right? So for them, they cared not because of Afghanistan and what it meant strategically, you know, for, for our country. And, I, you know, I, I think militarily how bad it screwed up and diplomatically and all this other stuff. They cared because it was about them. And again, so that that's to me, it's always about them, their access, their parties. You know, it's. So it, you always have to think about like if they're critical, it's because you know they've done they've, they've they've you know their party was canceled or but it's 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 amazing they only and and and, and this goes back to there was a knock on Saki the other day and and uh, not just her but the other deputy that briefs that they don't call on what they call the back of the room. So for those of your listeners who who aren't familiar, the way it works is that the press briefing room is 49 seats. The White House Correspondents Association since the 1980s has been given the task. They were said, hey, look, you take these 49 seats, you guys fight over them. There's like 100-something reporters. So you figure out who gets what seats. Well, the front seats are all of the broadcast and big media. So it's, it's, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, The Washington Post, The New York Times, the AP, Reuters, Right. Those are the front two rows. Well, Saki only calls on the front two rows. So she never goes back and calls on like a Newsmax or, you know, anybody else that's not in the mainstream media. Right. Well, 
you would think that people would complain, right? But who's going to amplify that complaint? And there was a story the other day about all of the other publications, the foreign press, the business press, the ethnic press, who don't get called on. And yet, again, it's like a tree falling in the forest. Who's going to complain if the Washington Post is getting their questions answered, they're getting their access, do they really care about anybody else? No. Apparently not. If the New York Times is going Right, and that's to your point about when are people going to care? They're not. Okay. As long as their bread is being buttered, they don't care. As long as they're getting the access, they're getting the stories, they're getting their quotes, their calls returned, they're good. They, this idea of caring about journalism is a joke. They care about themselves. And as long as they're being taken care of, because they're not out there fighting for the fact that Newsmax doesn't get a question. They're not fighting for anyone else on the right because they don't. So, so this idea of the First Amendment, the First Amendment to them is all about them. It's not about, you know, protecting free speech and everybody and the right of protest. It's all about them. And as long as you understand that, it makes everything else so much easier to grasp because the media is the most selfish, self-centered, whiny group of people that I've ever met. And so as long as they're being taken care of and given access and party invitations and tables in Georgetown, then they're okay. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You make a very good point. We're talking to Sean Spicer, who is the author of the new book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. Sean, you know, you were the White House press secretary and you're the one who took the call from BuzzFeed. And that's when they told you they were going to go ahead and move ahead um, and publish the still dossier. What did you think at the time? I mean, listen, let's be honest. You were press secretary at, I mean, I don't think any other press secretary in that, in, in the short amount of time, uh, so quickly, um, was under so much attack and had so much to deal with. If you think about it, the attack began before Trump took office and it never really stopped in all of the four years. But a lot of the meat of it, the craziness really happened during the time that you were there. What was that oh, yeah. like? I mean, you had to, you had to be, you had to think, what? Are you kidding me? BuzzFeed? Yep. Are you kidding? So so let me kind of give you two pieces of, of perspective on that, because I actually talked about this with President Trump the other day. I don't like to live life looking in the rearview mirror. Right. Like, I, I just don't. I'm not a big fan of. But but <laughs> it's so hard. And I said this to President Trump. I was like, you know, for the first two years, if not, I would argue the, the, the whole four. But I'll, I'll say that from a predominant standpoint, like the first two, we we dealt with a fake hoax that was perpetrated and think about i mean it's it's like it's hard not to think back and say god can you imagine if i didn't wake up every day and have to talk about russia and it it it, it was defending the that something that that didn't exist therefore (laughs) which is literally impossible to do right right so so now let me let me kind of touch base on what you're asking so i i get this call we buzzfeed's going to go publish it then jake tapper from cnn says hey we're going to publish it but we're going to we're going to say we're not, we're not, we're, we're going to, we're going to, you know, couch it that it hasn't been verified and all this stuff. And, um, and so two things, number one, Tapper and his story that's still up on CNN today is false and, and it's a lie. And it's not just me. It was corroborated. My version ironically was corroborated by both James Cla- uh, Clapper and Jim Comey. And yet Jake Tapper quote still stands by a story that me, Comey and Clapper both insist is false. I mean, I'm like, okay, I was in the room. I was, I had a security clearance. So I was in the room when this happened. Right. And, and, and Tapper's telling me that he has sources and I'm going, really? (laughs) I was there. There was like five of us. And oh, by the way, 
like the other two people, Clapper and Comey, also agree with my version. And yet you're still telling me that your quote unquote sources that weren't in the room know better than everybody that was in the room. But so I digress. So that the way that that CNN handled it was completely false. That's number one. Number two. So one of the allegations in the dossier. Um, so we, we the long and short of it is we, we hadn't seen it. So we have to go into a classified setting, get Mike Pompeo was the incoming CIA director to go to a, uh, a skiff, a, a secure location, and read some of these allegations. So, well, one of them is that Michael Cohen, then the president's attorney, had been to Prague during this period of time to do right. this nefarious blah blah blah. I called Cohen up. I literally said, "Okay, I think I can get this." I had watched enough Law and Order. <laughs> and I called Cohen and I said, to, "I said to Michael, let me ask you a question. Do you have your passport?" I didn't tell him why. I said, "Do you have your passport?" He said, "Yes, I do." Which Frankly, I thought it was a little weird, but whatever. So he's got his passport. I say, can you do me a favor? Can you come back to Trump Tower? Trust me when I tell you it's important. I can't tell you why. Wow. So he says, fine. So he drives back 20 minutes. He walks in the office. I said, listen, just trust me. Hand me your passport. He hands me his passport. I look at it. And I go, okay, so have you ever been to Prague? He's like, what if, no, I've never been to Prague. There's no stamp. I look at this, the dates. There is no period close to when wow. he allegedly was in Prague that he even left the country. He didn't go to Canada. Oh, and, and, and so I start telling the news organizations, Hey guys, not only is this ridiculous, I can prove it. I can demonstrably prove that this is false because this, this one of these main early allegations in it says that, you know, Cohen was in Prague. So no, not only is he not in Prague, but he didn't like, he couldn't have snuck to Prague because he wasn't out of the country and he can prove that he was at a, a student visit, I think it was Stanford or one of the West Coast schools, with his kid, you know, showing them the school on a, on a you know, because I guess they were, you know, a senior or junior in college or whatever you are, I can't remember. And, um, and I'm like, so, okay, so, so it's false. Well, we're still standing by this. What do you mean you're standing by? I just proved to you that one of the early, you know, things that it, it alleges is, is patently false. Yeah, 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 but our sources, and we're, we're not claiming that it's true, we're claiming that this is an allegation. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So you're going to allege that the incoming president of the United States, there's a dossier that we at this time don't know who paid for it. We don't know anything about it. We know that at least one of the things I just debunked, and yet you're still going with it. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, Amazing. Right? And think about that. I mean, but but if that's the new bar. It is. That, that all you have to do is make an allegation. Yes. Then, doesn't matter if it's everybody's, true. Right. But and then um, whatever, you know, and 10 hours later, I'm telling you, OK, I can prove it's false. Don't care. Don't care. Sean, Don't you care. had to be out of your mind. I mean, you never expected anything quite like this, did you? Walking into that job? No, no, no. I've been doing I've been I started doing media, like working with the press in, in the late 90s. I had been at the RNC for six years. So I had been going back and forth with the press. But I've like, never yeah. seen anything like this. And it's. It's, you know, when they talk about Trump derangement syndrome, they, there's a reason. I mean, it's, it's real. It's, it's these guys. It's not like I was just talking to you about the dossier. It's, it doesn't matter. You can literally be like, hey, guys, I'm staring out right now. It is sunny. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the sun. I just had to put sunscreen on. I'm burning. And they'll be like, we have sources saying it's raining. And you're like, I'm literally like, my skin is, is getting hot. And like, they don't care. They don't care. It's because if it's about Trump, I mean, think about the contrast of what you and I just talked about with yeah. a laptop that comes out with with emails from Hunter Biden saying all this stuff and then having a media blackout, like yeah. literally saying 
Like, not only are we not going to go with it, but if you print something of it, we will ban it from social media. We will not allow other things. And then it comes out and it's like, oh, yeah, it's true. And it's like, okay, next, move on. Wow. I mean, I, right. I, guess, I think of like what happened in the early days of Trump. Yeah. And in the contrast, it blew. I mean, if you are even, if you just stop, you could be the biggest Trump hater in the world. Stop for a moment and say, okay, think about that for a minute. You have one allegation of unverified, demonstrably disproven uh, allegations for one candidate that everybody went with. And then you have another that turns out to be completely true, is 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 provable because you have the laptop and the email and the text. And no one will ask a question. And not only that, they'll censor you for it. You've got to at least admit, OK, I hate Trump. Right. But that is unfair. It like, is unfair. Like, Right. And but they won't. But they won't. And that's that's where we are right now in this country. Hence the derangement. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. You know, I always often wondered how did President Trump, I mean, deal with that when you when he knows that something is an absolute falsehood. When, when, and, and it's and as you said, you can't prove something that's not true. You can't the opposite but yet well, he that's right it. i mean it's but that's 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 the thing right so if somebody says i need you to prove that you didn't kill somebody last night you're like okay well i was at home and then i went to bed and you're like okay but you haven't proven that you didn't kill somebody you're like what do you i mean that's what we lived Crazy. by every day prove that it didn't happen but but more so i i was telling this story yesterday with somebody so it's, it is it's top of mind for me we were talking about a bunch of stuff at the beginning of the administration and I was reminding them of the MLK bust. And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So my first day, we're not even my first. Like, we'd, he'd gotten sworn in. So it's afternoon. He hadn't even spent, you know, an hour as president. And uh, we let the press into the Oval Office to watch the president sign these executive orders and actions. So you want to show the American people, hey, I just got sworn in. But, hey, look at me. I'm actually going to start working for the American people, like I said, during the campaign. We thought, oh, this is great. This is exactly, I mean, from a press secretary standpoint, this is exactly the visual you want. The president hitting the ground running, blah, blah, blah. What do they do? The first story out isn't, here's what President Trump is doing. It's, he removed the bust of Martin Luther King from the Oval Office. So I hear this, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, wait a second. It's the first day when one president turns over to the next, you know, they clean out the office and then the new president slowly brings back, you know, I want that painting. I want those curtains. Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe cause, um, cause they're changing offices. I get it. It's the first day Obama had left like a couple hours early. So who knows? Well, no, I went in and it's sitting right there. Oh my it, God. It had moved. Yep. And, 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 and so for the first five hours of the trump administration my life was spent calling people and saying nope uh he hasn't inflamed racial tensions the bust of martin luther king so the reporter then sends out a thing and says my bad somebody was blocking my view of it unbelievable okay. right so, so so rose rose stop for a second imagine take your take your so think about you walk into a room you're staring at a desk because that's what would have happened right? right so you would be staring at president trump signing these documents he's sitting behind a desk you're staring at him the bust of martin luther king in the oval office is in the back of the room meaning it would have been to your back okay yet that was the focus so think about wow. the mentality right wow. the mentality was i don't want to look at trump i don't want to look at what he's doing i want to find out what i can get him on so <sighs> I'm thinking there myself, who in their right mind is like trying to, I mean, what else were they looking at? You're brought into a room and you're not focused on, here's what's happening. It's let me find out how I can get you. 
And that was the mentality that we walked into. And that never stopped. It never stopped from the moment you walked in until the day you left and he left. It never stopped. It, It just got progressively worse, in fact. You know, we watch all of this and we just shake our head. And I can't believe that you, you know, you had to be in the midst of all of that. And that couldn't have been easy. Let me ask you something real quick before we go. I know that recently the judge rejected um, uh, your lawsuit that you wanted uh, relief because you felt that you shouldn't have been removed from the uh, Naval Academy board. How, How are you feeling about that right now? Well, I'm mixed, and I'll tell you why. So we had asked for an an injunction to basically say, hey, until you rule on this, at least let us stay on the board. They they turned it down. Um, And and so the lawsuit goes on. We just sort of said, until until we hear this case, allow us to continue our service. They turned it down, which is disappointing. But here's the, the irony why it's mixed. What this administration has just done without knowing it is strengthen the hand of the executive branch. So by allowing this to happen, the Democrats can never claim again that the executive can't do that. And I don't think that they fully appreciate what they just did. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, that that was the dirty secret. It was was a win-win. Either I got back on the board okay, Okay. or the judge would rule like this. And and if he continues to rule, or she, I think it is, rules in, in in their favor, they, unbeknownst to them, they are strengthening the hand of every future Republican president. Wow. Interesting. Sean, thanks for everything you've been through. We appreciate it. You're one of the good guys, and that's clear. Sean Spicer, he's the author of Radical Nation, but also the host of Spicer and Company. Check it out on Newsmax. Thank you so much for joining me today. You were so much fun. I hope we do this again. Oh, well, thank you. It's always fun. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Always, right. well, always excited to join you. Thank you, hon. Take care. Remember to shop for Christmas MyPillow.com, promo code ROSE, up to 66% off, and HempLily, H-E-M-P-L-I-L-Y.com, promo code ROSE for great savings on some great products.